Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Everything's Different, Now What? I'm your host, Jill Newman, a mental health therapist, slide guitarist, and licensed clinical social worker. Today's episode is called, Things Were Getting Better, Now What? I took a break after my last podcast in May because things seemed to be getting better. We were flattening the COVID curve in many places throughout the world as we headed towards summer. Stay-in-place orders were lifted as the process of reopening began. By June, depending on where you live, restaurants reopened for outdoor dining. Some shops and non-essential services began welcoming back customers, which meant more people were able to return to work. Things were looking hopeful. Many of us headed outside during the warm summer weather to go camping with family or spend time at the park. But things were definitely not back to normal. Despite warnings from health experts to take things slowly, some states reopened too quickly, including some that hadn't closed quickly enough when the pandemic began. Some people stopped practicing physical distancing or were not willing to wear a mask if able to do so. I was alarmed when I saw people in our community hosting backyard barbecues and large birthday parties with friends and family with no masks in sight. Although health experts recommend wearing a mask to protect ourselves and others, for some, mask wearing has become a heated political issue. It's not surprising that the curve that we had been flattening in the U.S. is now heading up to numbers of infections that are far beyond what we had seen at the height of the pandemic during closures in April. For many of us, feelings of hope have been replaced with pandemic fatigue, the ongoing exhaustion that we are feeling as this pandemic continues. In today's podcast, I'd like to explore three questions that I hope can help us to make sense out of what is really going on and what we can do to get through this pandemic. Please keep in mind that this podcast does not intend to take the place of a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. So, on with the questions. Question number one, what do we know about the COVID pandemic? With so many mixed and confusing messages, how do we separate fact from fiction? And why is this information important? Question number two, how is this pandemic affecting us? And what is this pandemic doing to our physical and mental health? Question number three, what can we do? So for question number one, what do we know about the pandemic? And in particular, how do we separate fact from fiction? There's tons of misinformation, things that simply aren't true, especially on social media. So it's hard to know what to believe. In order to understand what is really going on, it's important to look at reliable online sources of information, such as the World Health Organization, WHO, or the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC in the U.S. and ECDC in Europe. These organizations provide statistics about cases, maps showing infection rates, health information, and links to scientific clinical studies. Information from the CDC and WHO is also available on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Most universities have online information about COVID, including UW. One of my favorite sites is the John Hopkins University Coronavirus Resource Center. The Public Health Agency of Canada and Provincial Centers for Disease Control are helpful Canadian resources. For COVID information in the United States, you can check your Department of Health website or your local county or hospital websites. Now that we've found reliable sources for information, why is it important to know this stuff? Why look at statistics showing the rising number of COVID cases and deaths? 
After all, we don't have any control over the pandemic, and this information is depressing. Well, understanding and making sense of what is really going on helps us to decide what we can do, and that can give us a sense of control, at least over our own response to the pandemic. Feeling that we have some control can also reduce some of the stress and anxiety we may be feeling. So if you're still with me, and I sure hope that you are, let's take a few minutes to explore some of what we know about the pandemic and what is happening now. Keep in mind that we are in a constantly changing situation. As we learn more about COVID-19, our response to the pandemic is likely to change too. One thing we know is that the COVID pandemic will not go away by us simply going about our lives and ignoring it. According to the CDC, by July 28th, the United States had the majority of the world's COVID cases, approximately 4.2 million and almost 150,000 deaths. That's a quarter of the world's cases and deaths. The World Health Organization reports a total of 16 million cases of COVID-19 worldwide, with 650,000 deaths. Some countries, such as New Zealand and Canada, have done well in flattening the curve. But statistics show us that the pandemic is out of control in many parts of the United States. By late July, there were twice as many cases in the U.S. as there were one month ago, with almost a week of 1,000 new deaths per day. Florida reported 178 COVID deaths in one day. That's a death approximately every eight minutes. Washington state has about one and a half times the population of British Columbia, but has rates of COVID-19 as of late July that are 10 times higher than BC, with deaths that are almost eight times higher. It's not surprising that the Canadian-U.S. border remains closed and U.S. residents are not welcome to enter a number of countries around the world, including 27 countries in Europe, New Zealand, Mexico, and Japan. Another thing we know is that COVID affects people differently. The CDC reports that racial and ethnic minorities of all ages have higher rates of infection, hospitalization, and death from COVID-19 than white people. We've seen protests around the world against racial inequality, and this statistic is another reminder that racial injustice is a very real problem in the United States and around the world. Recently, there's been a rise of cases of COVID-19 in young adults. Some have been connected to youth attending large gatherings and parties. And while teens and young adults infected with COVID-19 tend to do better than older people, we can't predict who's going to get the sickest or even die from this disease. And we're just beginning to understand that even mild cases of COVID-19 can result in long-term health problems. This all sounds scary, but there are things we can do to stay safe. So this brings me to question number two. How is pandemic fatigue affecting us, and what is this pandemic doing to our physical and mental health? I'll make a very brief detour into brain science, so bear with me. Many people are experiencing pandemic fatigue, the feeling of exhaustion from being stuck at home, having our lives limited being separated from friends and family, and from our communities and activities. Many students won't have the option of in-person school in the fall. And for students who are able to attend school in person, things are likely to look and feel very different than before the pandemic began. For many of us, pandemic fatigue can increase feelings of anxiety, frustration, or worries. It can be overwhelming as we see cases rising to think about what might happen or how long this pandemic is going to last. 
Some people are able to keep a daily schedule and continue to exercise, but there are many of us who struggle some days to do much of anything. Sometimes it's just easier to reach for comfort food than it is to plan a healthy meal. Many people have reported a quarantine weight gain after being stuck at home. Without much daily structure and lots of stress, sleep schedules have also been turned upside down, which is going to make it difficult as we head into the new school year. Many of us have lost our sense of time. I've noticed that when I'm not working, the days all run into each other, with no real difference between a Monday and a weekend. My schedule seems to be determined mostly by my big yellow lab Lucy nudging me to go for yet another walk. If you listen to my podcast, I'm Stressed Out, Now What? You may recall what brain science tells us, that the amygdala, a structure in the primitive limbic system of the brain, activates our fight-or-flight response when it perceives a threat, in this case, a deadly disease. During times of extreme stress, and I do think a deadly pandemic qualifies, the amygdala hijacks or shuts down our access to the thinking part of our brain, the neocortex. It's the thinking part of the brain that allows us to assess threat, to manage our emotions, and to make decisions about what to do. So it's not surprising that as this pandemic continues, so many of us feel as though we are in a brain fog finding it hard to concentrate, to get things done, or even to make decisions. We might also be feeling irritable, anxious, and find ourselves overreacting to things. Brain science tells us that this is normal, and if you're having these feelings, it makes sense. One of the world's foremost experts on the brain and trauma, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, describes the amygdala as the brain's smoke detector. If we think about a smoke detector that constantly sounds an alarm, even when there is not immediate danger, people may begin ignoring this. With this pandemic, we are seeing something called caution fatigue, in which some people are growing tired of trying to stay safe in the face of this invisible threat and have stopped practicing social distancing or wearing masks. But much like the smoke alarm, there's always the risk. If we don't respond to it, we could be in danger. This brings me to question number three. What can we do? I've come up with five suggestions, and I'm hoping some of them will be helpful for you. Number one, spend some time outdoors. If you can do so safely, go for a walk in the park, go for a bike ride, and most importantly, spend some time in nature. If you can't get outside, take some deep relaxing breaths several times a day, or try meditation, yoga, or another calming practice. Many of us are under chronic stress, and it's important to take care of our physical selves and to calm our activated brains. Number two, stay connected with family and friends. It may not be possible or safe to see our friends and family in person, especially elderly or at-risk family members, but it's important to stay connected. Try scheduling a regular online get-together or celebrate special occasions as a group online. Number three, allow yourself to feel your feelings and name them or write them down. There's scientific evidence that identifying and writing down our feelings reduces anxiety and helps us to connect to the thinking part of our brains. When we understand what we are feeling and take the time to name the feeling, it gives us more control over our emotional responses 
and then we can choose how to act. Number four, learn something new. If you're stuck at home and feeling bored, learn something new. You don't have to master a new skill. Just take the first steps. I did a quick search and found everything from free online dance, music, and cooking instruction to virtual tours of world-famous museums, aquariums, and zoos. If you don't have the energy for online learning, how about a virtual tour of the Australian outback, the view from the top of the Eiffel Tower, or the Giant's Causeway in Northern Ireland? One of the coolest virtual tours I found was an elephant reserve in Africa. There seems to be endless possibilities of online opportunities that probably didn't exist before this pandemic began. And finally, number five, give yourself a break from coronavirus news. It's good to be informed, but spending hours a day watching COVID-related news or arguing with people on social media is sure to make you feel worse. No one knows what's going to happen, but there are many things we can do to get through this pandemic. By taking care of our physical and mental health, learning to understand and manage our emotions, and by being kind to ourselves and others, we will get through this pandemic. And we might just learn something about ourselves along the way. That's all for today. I'm Jill Newman, and this has been Everything's Different, Now What? Thanks for listening.